Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Trish, <laughs> look, look at this on the Zoomaloom. Look, I'm not giving you the finger, oh I'm showing you. Listen, yes. he hasn't got his protective thing on. What have I done to my finger, Trish? What do you think uh, well, I've done to it? you've got a massive big bandage on it. It's all bulging and bandaged up. <laughs> you've, you've damaged it. Tell me how you've damaged it. I have sliced the top of my finger oh, off, God. trigger warning for anyone who's a bit squeamish, with a mandolin. Oh, I knew you were going to say Mandolin, pangolin, mandolin, mandarin, whatever you call we it. We have discussed this. I have warned you. I have told I you to throw that thing in the bin. But would you I was listen? to do three things at the same time, as you often are in hmm. midlife. And... Uh, about 20 minutes after I sliced my finger off, I burnt my arm. The <laughs> Do you know what the universe is telling me? What we know already. Guess what? Get out of the kitchen. Get out yeah. of the kitchen, Lorraine. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. I'm Trish Halpin, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Get ready, Trish. We are about to be organised. Now, I know that word is music to your little ears. Today's guest, though, is what I would call a super organiser. In fact, she's like an Olympic organiser, the kind of go-getting woman who would be on one of those 10 habits of highly mm. organised people lists. I wouldn't be on one of them, would I, Trish? No, you might be on the 10 habits of the easily distracted people list, <laughs> damaging themselves in the kitchen list. But yes, today on the show, we have entrepreneur, accessories designer to the stars and businesswoman extraordinaire, Anya Heinmarch, who is 53 and also a mum of five. She is going to be the postcard from midlife agony aunt this week instead of us. You'll all be relieved. She'll be answering the questions that you, our lovely listeners, put on our private Facebook group about getting on top of things in midlife. She will indeed. I feel like we've had some really powerful powerhouse women on the show recently and they've shared really brilliant advice. I'm still pumped that I've gone American football and used that word pumped. <laughs> yes. I'm still pumped about the magnificent Welsh firecracker, Carolyn Harris MP, who we had on our last episode. She is the woman leading the menopause revolution in the corridors of power. I've already started to design my menopause warrior badge in honour of her private membersville this October. Yes, we're all going to be out supporting that. I love Carolyn and it makes me happy that we tackle the really serious stuff women need to know about alongside the lighter subjects, which are helpful in midlife too. Well, Marion doesn't think so. <laughs> Marion. More of Marion, my new best friend. Okay. Later on. <laughs> yes, today we are also going to be looking at small day-to-day -day things you can do to help save the planet in our How to Win at Midlife section. We've got some really easy ideas in this section, so stay tuned. And implementing them is going to make you a hero for your teens, which is quite a thing, isn't it, Trish? Yes, I know, because they are very, very concerned about it, as we all should be. But saving the planet and making teens happy, it's a big promise, but we are going to aim to deliver... But first, let's find out what's happening in the lives of the midlife women we know and love. That's you lot. 
For this week's Jibber Jabber, we are once again taking inspiration from our lovely listeners and members of our private Facebook group to share some of the chat that goes on when we are off air. So we do a lot of chatting, don't we, Trish? Yes, we do all sorts of nonsense, uh, mainly about your mandolin wound this week. But enough of your midlife injuries. Let's hear what's been on everyone else's minds lately. We'll start with Postcards from Midlife fan Rebecca, who was in need of some motivation when she posted. She says, having a bad weekend, despite being on HRT, I still seem to get ups and downs and sat with my diary trying to follow all the advice I seem to read about making more time for myself. I already go to the gym three times a week and don't want to go anymore but what other little things can I plan in my week to look forward to? Online yoga or similar just seems like a chore at the moment rather than a treat. Well we hear you Rebecca because we both have our can't be bothered days too, a bit like the teenagers. Um, You had so many nice replies on this one but there are two that I was really interested and got excited about. Firstly was Marie's suggestion to get an Artbox subscription which I'd never heard about, artful.co.uk and you kind of pay a subscription and you get this monthly box delivered. It could be watercolours, it could be an ink box, it could be lino printing. I love the sound of that as long as there's no sharp implements i quite like the sound of that as well <laughs> yes. a friend of mine has actually started getting a paint by numbers subscription because she finds it very mindful and relaxing <laughs> she's keeping it secret though for some reason but only i know about it i think the problem we have that rebecca might be having when we feel a bit meh is that we're slightly confusing achievement with treats because she says she goes to the gym three mm. times a week but that's kind of an achievement isn't it that's not yes. really a treat really do you know what i like i like mm. a long bath mm. with the door locked Sometimes yeah. in the afternoon with really what I call luxury bath salts, I buy them and hide them so oh, yes. that teens don't nick them. Mm-hmm. And I've just discovered this brand Soapsmith and their range is really delicious, actually. And I think a scent can mm-hmm. feel like a treat sometimes. So sometimes I'll just light a candle in the bedroom, leave it. And then when I go upstairs later, I think I'll just sit down for five minutes and read a bit of my book in this lovely scented yeah. room. I think that's a treat, isn't it? Other things I've been doing is a little um, sunrise jog or walk with two of my best girlfriends that I don't mm-hmm. see very often. So that's a little treat as well. I think you've got to take the achievement bit away, haven't you? Yeah, you're right. And so this next suggestion... I don't think it's an achievement. I think it's a treat because this is Tracy's suggestion to get shimmying to a dance class by the fitness marshal on YouTube, which I had never seen before. And I clicked straight onto it and, oh my God, I couldn't stop myself. Ed Sheeran, Shape of You. He does all these funny things like you, he kind of narrates it going, you're stepping out of the shower and you're pulling the shower curtain back, doing all these dance moves. And my absolute favourite, Dua Lipa levitating jumping in the air it's just, honestly it's so brilliant and so joyful really I hoping one of your teenagers secretly films this <laughs> so i can put it on the internet well, i've been doing it with my I son i could charge Yes, you could. You could. I've been doing it with the son that. and he loves it. I really miss dancing. I think it's the thing now that I'm 53 and I want to find a place to dance, which would be ridiculous, go out dancing. I've been listening to Radio 2 a bit because there's quite some good 90s playlists. Oh, yes. Joe Wiley does a good 90s. Film. Shiny, happy playlist, which I really like. Yes, she calls I it. Like Meanwhile, the brain fog keeps coming yes. up and up again. It's really, I mean, we shouldn't laugh, but it is quite funny and uh, yes. midlife can be a bit quite, fu- quite funny, can't it? Now, this is from Penny. Penny is her name, so remember that. It's important to the story. She says, just as I thought brain fog was dissipating, I bought one of those bang-on-trend initialised brush pots today from a lovely lady who asked what the P stood for. <laughs> Cue an embarrassing long silence, seemed like an eternity, as I searched for the answer and eventually remembered my own name. <laughs> 
P for Penny. P for Penny. The penny finally so dropped. P for perimenopause. Yeah, P for perimenopause, exactly. And Kerry also started a thread with a comment, my peri-brain nearly poured this instead of milk, accompanying a photograph of a bottle of white fabric conditioner, yeah. which prompted lots of other examples, including one from Unirain. Yes, I stood in front of the fridge the other day with the door open, wondering where my swimming costume was, as if I always keep it in the fridge. <laughs> Which actually, during my hotter days, oh, would be quite useful, but it was idea. really yeah. stupid. I just felt like such a nitwit standing there. It is brain foggy, but it's not quite as bad as Jacqueline's story. This is quite good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I just cut up my joint account card in half and threw it in the bin after I went to use it to pay a bill online. I looked at it and thought, well, this is clearly an old invalid one, as it's got my maiden name on it. Then I went to fi- <laughs> went to find my valid card, but there was no sign of it. I emptied my purse, my car, my shopping bag, drove to the co-op to see if I'd left it there got home searched again lost the plot cancelled my card the story should have ended there but when I gave the guy on the phone the name on my card my husband chirped up that the joint bank account has got my maiden name on it so then I had to explain to the millennial on the phone that I'd cut my card up thrown away the bank card I wanted to cancel instead could I have a replacement please not my best day oh dear poor Jacqueline Um, we've said it before haven't we about the brain Mm, fog and the pain it's an actual official recognized symptom so I just want to take a second to mention Dr Louise Newson's new book preparing for the perimenopause and menopause because that is full of really good information on how to deal with brain fog well it's great that the narrative around menopause is changing and also men are getting on board with it too we had some good threads about people's partners but the one I really liked talking of men was from Debbie because it sort of relates to the nostalgia noodle post that I did the other week Debbie says I've just listened to the latest podcast which made me smile during the nostalgia noodles last year in one of our lockdown walks my husband and I met the slimpsia slash nimble girl she lives in our village I've never seen my husband so tongue-tied and embarrassed, but it was so sweet. Halfway into our conversation, he just blurted out how she had been his first love. He was 10 and always thought they would one day get married, which is very sweet. And it's kind of reminding me that the search is still on for Vernon, isn't it? We can't. Your first kiss. We can't talk. How do you know I haven't met him and I'm carrying on a secret affair? You don't know anything about me, do you? No. Can we we turn to Marion and let her have the last word? I know, yes, Marion. made me laugh so much anyway this is marion emailed us not not social media emailed us directly me and trish um and we always think wow someone's taken their time to get in touch like sort of old school writing a yeah, letter. email yeah it's very old school yeah. mm-hmm. anyway marion said i don't want to do a marion voice but i might drift into what i imagine a marion voice might be I wanted to listen to a podcast about hormones. Instead, I heard two women talking in a banal fashion about their teenagers going out after the pandemic. This was very boring. What has gone wrong? What a waste of time. Well, Marion, we're very sorry. sorry. We would give you your money back, except, of course, you haven't paid to listen to this podcast. It's free, Marion. It's free. (laughs) You don't have to listen to it. No one is making you listen to it. But no, seriously, actually, Lorraine, you were very good because you did point her in the direction of some proper podcasts with proper hormonal information. But I have to say... I think we've had a lot of really good comments about our uh, episode with Dr. Anise Mukherjee, um, the hormone yes, specialist. She's brilliant so, hormone and Maisie Hill and the, and yes, the hormones so just, that uh, you know. Fast forward through us being banal and tedious and get to the experts. That's my recommendation. It's yin and yang, isn't it, Trish? Life. It's a bit <laughs> of yin and yang. 
So there we are. If you want to join in the fun chat or send us a grumpy or preferably pleasant email, join us on our private Facebook group, email us at hello at Postcards from Midlife, or best of all, a review on your podcast provider would be most marvellous. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Our guest today is one of Midlife's most successful, risk-taking, hard-working and fun-loving entrepreneurs. She's got an MBE and a CBE. She's a mum of five, aged 18 to 32, and one of our favourite, most down-to-earth fashionistas. It's time to meet bag lady Anya Heimarch, the luxury accessories designer who counts the royals and Hollywood A-listers as clients. Anya, 53, started her award-winning global fashion business as a teenager in 1987. The year before, age 16, she'd drawn a picture of herself outside a shop filled with handbags during a careers lesson. That's how driven she is. Anya has steered her multi-million pound company through the ups and downs of the retail world while roaming the corridors of power as the government's business ambassador in 2010. She is also a trustee of the Royal Marsden Cancer Charity. Anya is an extraordinarily high achiever who, by her own admission, is addicted to being ridiculously organised. But she also says many of her best decisions are driven by self-doubt and that she's frequently worked herself into what she calls a tunnel of exhaustion. But at 50, Anya hit a turning point and realised she'd learned enough life lessons to write a book based on her own personal experiences at work and home. If in doubt, Wash Your Hair is filled with practical tips on how to get a grip on your life and turn the downs into ups and the stress into creative ideas. Today, Anya is joining us to answer your midlife questions. We'll be asking her how you run your home life like a business and we'll get practical tips on how we can deal with feeling overwhelmed as we age. So welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Anya. Thank you very much. It's lovely to see you. I think we're going to start to introduce you to our listeners with a potted history of Hindmarch, as I like to call it. You're a mum of five. You've been married 25 years to James Seymour, whom you met when he was a 37-year-old widower with three children under four. You were 25. And you've worked and lived together for all these years. But for those who aren't aware of your story, tell us how it started. Well, I started my business when I was 18. I was, I think it's better to say, impatient in the classroom. By that, I mean not wildly academic, probably a bit dyslexic, actually, I think. I just wanted to kind of get on. It was sort of Thatcher's Britain. It was like, you know, start a business, go, go, go. And a lot of businesses started at that point. And I went out to Italy knowing I probably didn't want to go to university. I wanted to actually start a business of some sort, knowing I loved fashion, having uh, discovered at the age of 16, having been given a, 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 one of my mother's old handbags. I loved how it made me feel. 
feel and I became fascinated by fashion but not just per se but more about the sort of how it changes your your approach and your mood and your confidence actually so I went out to Florence after school for two months because I knew I wanted to be in that world of leather and Florence was very much the home of leather so I went there and I found some bags that I really loved and I found factories and I drew some signs and I started making samples that I then brought back to the UK to start selling and I approached someone who I knew who was a friend of a friend who had a stepmother who was running the office department of Harper's and Queen in those days and they had a monthly offer in the back and I sold it to them to have in their offer I think we sold 500 handbags and then I started selling two stores and producing collections. So that's really how the business started. And then it grew into a wholesale business. And then we opened our first store. And then we opened more stores and started doing stores around the world. So business-wise, that's sort of been the journey. Personal is, as you say, I married James, who was a widower, had lost his wife tragically with three very small children, age one, three and four. I knew the moment I met him, I was going to marry him. And I didn't believe in that at all, but it genuinely was the case. And we married a couple of years later and went on to have two more children as well so we have five children ranging from 18 to 32 which makes me feel very old um but you know it's been a bit of a ride honestly (laughs) mostly good (laughs) um and certainly very busy and the book which just came out this year which you've written it sort of charts some of that journey through your business experience you tie the two together your life experience your personal experience your business experience it's really good it's kind of like a manual for life and love we think and we love that you know the titles of the chapters like put your own oxygen mask on first and the title if in doubt wash your hair we love that you have lovely hair and you always have tell us about the hair washing well thank you for the compliment I, I'm claiming the compliment of my hair just because you know we're so negative about our bodies the whole time so um, I'll take that thank you very much I think the title came from the fact that so often I'm asked you know what's your best piece of advice I'd often do talks for women um entrepreneurs, business people generally. And the questions at the end were always, you know, how do you manage the juggle? And I would rather jokingly always respond, you know what, if in doubt, wash your hair. (laughs) And it always sort of elicited a sort of smile because I think it speaks to the fact that we all know that if we look after ourselves a bit first and feel good about the way we feel or look, you sort of slightly stand that bit taller and you look people in the eye and you're a bit more confident. So I think that's sort of, there was a wry smile from everyone I would say that to, but also I think it has the word doubt in the title, if in doubt, Mm -hmm. wash your hair. And actually doubt is a fascinating subject. And the book is a lot about doubt, actually, my experience of doubt. And actually how we often think of doubt as a very negative thing. But actually, I think we need to embrace it as something that really drives us forward, makes makes us the best we can be, but also keeps us safe. It's that, that person going, oh, don't mess up. So it's there to kind of, keep you safe you need to kind of keep it in check and turn the volume up and down at times but actually it's a very good thing doubt so I wanted to write about that but essentially I've written it really as though I was writing to my daughter sort of wanting to share what I wish I had known when I was younger to save having to learn all those lessons along the way because it's kind of good to shortcut it and, and this is advice that honestly I've worked out some of it borrowed some of it and stolen frankly it's a compilation of bits that have helped me and I just think it's kind of nice to share that on to pass the baton well the advice some is, help. is definitely in there it's very much layered through and it feels very much like your mission with the way that you, you know, always think about your bags and everything you do. The women who work in your business, Lorraine and I obviously know that you work with really wonderful women in your business. Um, so you seem to be very focused on making things fabulous and better and easier for women. But when did you start making things easier in your own life or have they even become easier, do you think? I think the sort of ebbs and flows, but my very first class in my senior school, we had nuns and Sister Angela said, and it was literally the first moment we were sitting in the sort of chapel, maybe having, I don't know what the class was, but it was a sort of welcome to the school. And she went, 
girls, you need to understand, you know, it's a, an important bit of advice I'm going to give you, which is that if you accept that in life, you will never be fully satisfied, you'll have a very happy life indeed. Mm. And actually, I think that was one of those moments. Ooh, that made Sister me stop Angela, and think. that's a bit I know, dark. right? <laughs> well, or quite kind, actually, in yes, a way, you could yes, argue. maybe, yes. Because yes. I think that so often I see with kids now that they expect to start a career and be immediately successful, which, of course, actually makes them feel terrible if they're not. And the truth is, it's not a linear easy journey and we'd be really doing everyone a disservice if we pretended it was it's, it's hard it's a slog you know all of us in our careers so actually I thought that was quite good advice so I think for me what helped me was learning lots of bits along the way which I've really tried to include in the book such as that um, and and also realizing actually who am I I mean there's been it's been quite interesting I don't know if you've ever done any Myers-Briggs analysis yeah. of yourself or there's a great one that is very easy to do and it's free online called 16 personalities.com so one six personalities.com which I often do with the kids around the sort of dinner table and it's it's really interesting because it's so accurate I remember one of my children just went my god that's me and I hadn't realized that so for example I learned about myself that professionally I'm a kind of let's do it do it go 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 let's get busy and I, I'm like both feet in and I work out the detail later I don't want to know any of the problems at that point I'll, I'll hit all those later but I'm all about let's get it done and get going and I was slightly clashing actually with someone who I love and work with for many many years but he was all about let's plan and look at all the what-ifs and the the how-tos before we embark on the project and I'm absolutely opposite and we did this Myers-Briggs analysis and worked out that he was the top right-hand corner and I was the bottom right-hand corner in terms of personality traits but we also realized that I need him and he needs me because we're absolutely perfectly matched and that massively helped us and it helps in a family situation I think as well for people to learn part of looking after yourself is actually working out what makes you happy mm. we need to be very careful what we're striving for as girls because actually so often and, and you know generally people we're striving for success but what is success it's so often actually defined as financial success but actually you know we've all known a lot of people who are fantastically wealthy that doesn't make them happy mm. so actually what is it that actually really makes you happy what makes you tick and I know for me, that's a fantastic hike with a girlfriend, with a cup of coffee and a really good chat. And I'm my number 10 on happiness. You know, that's that's mm. amazing. I'm going to do that mm. test with my. Well, I think we'll be at the opposite ends of, we the, will uh, <laughs> of the grid. Well, that, we again, will. That's why you're together. That's 100%. why we're together. <laughs> so we're going to make the most of your business brain now, Anya, because you've been managing teams, you've been managing a family. So we asked our wonderful private Facebook community what advice they needed most. And you've mentioned it before, but I think that general theme was help I'm overwhelmed this is a midlife theme it's a sort of struggle to juggle now our lovely postcard from midlife listener Louise she wrote how do I delegate effectively when it comes to running the family and the emotional labor that I put in it feels like all roads lead to mum who is without doubt the busiest person in the room I know the old adage is if you want something done ask a busy person but it's getting a bit ridiculous at our house what do I do <laughs> what do you think Anya <laughs> Well, so sympathise with that. I think the first thing to say is I'm fascinated by this idea of this transition generation. I don't know the age of Louise, but I do think, though, that, I mean, I'm 53, that I have this dilemma and it helped me to kind of work this out to at least understand it so I could try and address it or at least be kind to myself. And we need to be kind to ourselves, actually. It's really important. But the transition generation is the situation I find myself in, which is I'm working as hard as my dad did. And yet I have the memory of 
my mum and her role, and she worked part-time. Um, so therefore, she was the homemaker. She had all the kind of home admin, the life admin, the school admin, the all the stuff that we know just sticks to us sort of magnetically. And yet it's actually unrealistic to be working as hard as my dad and to try and be as perfect as my mother was. And she was pretty amazing, kind of present giver and lunch giver. And we have to be realistic about what we can do. That's the number one thing. And, and be kind to ourselves, because there's no point me sending myself to the point of being ill. So we have to sort of understand, I think, first of all, what we're able to do. I think, though, at home, it's very important to involve the kids and to actually to ask them. I've often thrown problems at my kids and said, I don't know how to cope. Can, can I help? Can I ask your advice? And it's amazing when you empower them and you throw it back to them that they actually, A, it's quite fun for them. It's quite, they feel like actually, hey, I'm, I'm included. So they feel they kind of then behave better because they're in charge. So I've thrown a couple of problems back to my kids. One was... The time when they're sort of 15, 16, and they want to go out late into the evening and they want to drink and they're unbelievably vulnerable. And you are, in my case, I was working really hard and I was I had a big board meeting the next day. So, you know, this is a child on a Monday night who wants to go out in half term, just finished exams, frankly, deservedly so. But I wasn't going to go to sleep until they were back in and safe. But that meant that was going to compromise my board meeting, which in turn was going to compromise them because this is, you know, how I live and pay for their lives. So I actually kind of went, guys, help. I don't want to do because, you know, problem is, I'm sorry, I won't sleep until you're back. So what do we do? And, and they, they came up with a great idea. They said, well, listen, you know, you work. So actually, why don't you be the person half term who's in charge of seeing the kids back and maybe take a group of kids back home on Friday night? Because then, you know, you're not working on Saturday. But and actually someone else's mum can do Monday night because she's not working. So they came up with a really good system. Oh. So children are really smart, yes. actually. And actually, I think they felt empowered. And therefore, I think they almost behaved better because I had explained the problems and what I was going through. So communicate is a huge part of it um, I think empower them delegate but rewards kind of go you know what actually I'm absolutely exhausted I've got a huge day I'm traveling I get back late how about you kids the girls in the family are going to cook dinner and it's going to be a competition and on Friday the boys going to cook dinner and you know what I'm going to make a prize for the you know whatever it is but mm. like just throw it back to them in a, in a fun way I think often we get so tired we, we sort of fail to delegate in a sort of positive way and I think it's really good to sometimes hold a meeting <laughs> it sounds ridiculous but apply those business <laughs> or rules. family you meeting know, a, yeah well yeah and make it a little bit formal actually and say I want to call a meeting don't tell them what it's about and they'll be like oh it's scary and I had a meeting once because I came back and you know they suddenly I'd sit down at breakfast and four people would traipse down to breakfast I'm like I had no idea people were staying in the house like come on on the certain rules a certain respect yeah. I don't want people sleeping on my sofas actually thank you very much I, I love you Dilly but I don't want to live to your student rules you know you, mm-hmm. you're living back in my house and so on so we just wrote some rules and I was like is it fair for me to sort of say I'd like you to ask if someone's going to stay overnight I think it is I'm going to put that on the, and I published the rules and I put them on the inside of the kind of fridge door you know that they were there um, so <laughs> but I think that sort of you know that sort of rather mm-hmm. than be angry in the moment mm-hmm. take it away and sit down and ask them in a kind of quite humane and sort of humble way yeah. you know, how can we solve this um, and I think it's fine to say I don't want to live as a student you know yeah. I'm happy to help fund your student life but I don't want to live as a student so how can we yeah. find a way forward so lots of new tradition yeah. it's interesting isn't it because it comes back to that thing about how we ask for help so we we're not good at asking for help and we certainly wouldn't think about asking our kids for help but but why not and I, I think you gave some really fantastic examples there so Laura has a specific question about the blend between work and home because obviously we live in a 24-7 digital world yeah. so she, yes she says, I run my own legal practice from home and I find it really hard to switch off from the evening and weekend emailers and texters. I often receive multiple text emails and calls during the early hours. I try to ignore and deal with them in office hours, but usually get annoyed and respond when I should be concentrating on home and 
family at that time. How do I stick to my personal out-of-office boundaries for myself? First of all, everyone's talking about this, so don't panic. It's very hard. I think that, you know, none of us now have a holiday. We've gone on holiday and you're just getting all that information all the time. Likewise, none of us get a weekend and it's incredibly unhealthy. I'm afraid it's just one word. It's discipline. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really bad at it, by the way, really bad at it because it's a bit like a lucky dip. You never quite know what's going to pop into your inbox. So it is applying discipline because we actually know that if you don't do that, I find if, when I am not disciplined, I get overwhelmed. I, I find that, you know, small things become big things, just not healthy and don't sleep, then it's a disaster. So it, it might be down to having a different phone and physical phone that you actually put away for the weekend. Or for me, I always work on a Sunday afternoon and I, I have to because that's my time, not for dealing with weekend work, but for clearing the backlog of last week and planning ahead. That's If I don't do that, my life goes wrong. I also think it's really important to note that the more you reply to things, the more you get asked things. And I spoke to someone really kind of high profile the other day and we were laughing about this exact problem and, and, and she said, just don't reply. She said, it's amazing. If you're that person as I am, I'm literally there at the sort of the, the tennis net with my back waiting for the email mm-hmm. or the message to come in. I'm like ready to bounce it back. I'm the first, I'm the fastest. And that's what I do, but it's not smart. You're actually better to not do that because actually someone shouldn't really be emailing the weekend. And the more you reply, the more they lean on you. So you're making your own problem. So I think you have to sort of put some rules in actually and then stick to them, be disciplined, try and separate if you can. If there is weekend work you need to do, then actually have a designated time for it. So people know that at six o'clock on a Sunday, you will run through the weekend's emails and you'll, you'll bat some urgent ones back then. And do you leave yeah, an I... example with your business <laughs> and the women in your business or the people no, no, that work no, no, for no. you? <laughs> I'm shaking my head. It's something I'm really bad at. I've started actually now because I do work on a Sunday and I, I try and park it from Friday night through to Sunday, which has now become after lunch mm. in all fairness, where I sit at my desk. And a lot of that is about the godchild's present or is the child going to get to the festival or whatever. So a lot of that is personal stuff, that, but it's, it's work personal stuff. I really think we all need to be disciplined about actually giving our, mm. everyone time off for their brain health. I really think it's important. That said, if I'm sending emails at the weekend, that's not helping them. So I'm trying now. You can actually send emails later. Oh, so you, you press send yes. and you just send it. So it also, but then of course that hits their inbox 100 emails at 9.30 on Monday which is probably not very friendly either but um, I think we all need to up our mm. discipline on this and me too I um, learned this in my last job actually when uh, the emails started to increase we, we did a lot of stuff on a Friday night because of LA and because it was a weekly and, and the emails would increase over the weekend and then I talked to the staff and said listen should we talk about how this is working and they said oh we thought you wanted us to send emails at weekends because you kept replying and then one of my staff said I felt left out so I just started to send emails at weekends because <laughs> yeah. you yeah. kept replying and everyone said that you'd been emailing them on Saturday (laughs) so we had a a complete sit down say right okay this is just my habit it's not a good habit we will stop doing it unless it's an emergency and then in the subject box you will put this is an emergency I need an answer by x p.m and but it was I hadn't realized I was encouraging the behavior by responding when I was just trying to be efficient and get it out of my way so it's really important to talk about it isn't it I think no 100% and it's hard though because sometimes I do want to use the time if I'm stuck in a car for an hour on a Saturday and I can actually bin some stuff and save me doing it on Sunday yeah. I want to do it and if on your phone you can't send later so I kind of want but I just want to say to people just ignore it so I don't know I haven't found the best system mm-hmm. yet but we need to watch our brain health for sure we've got a question kind of along those lines actually it's about procrastinating and prioritizing tasks one of our listeners Refka when there are so many vital pressing jobs and tasks mothering daughtering running a household etc and looking after my own health and well-being what practical advice have you got on how to prioritize things on a daily basis so each gets the thing it needs and that means including getting the right amount of sleep Um, I think it's all about planning I'm sorry to say it sounds really boring that doesn't it but I mean it's the only way I 
can do it. Um, I mean, I'm a ferocious list maker with the top four things I have to do that morning at the top of my list. And that means constant rewriting of a list and reprioritization. I mean, I always fascinated why they don't teach this at school. It would be the most mm, useful skill. Yeah. And in fact, so much so that I actually dug into it a bit because when my eldest son, who's a lawyer, he went to Freshfields to work, they actually did a training about the best practice management of your inbox, which is quite fascinating, actually. Oh, um, and I thought I should they're called they're called um next action associates and in fact we ran a course for four days in our Sloan street store we did a whole i'm, I'm obsessed by organization in a really sad way but because it makes my life easier and i, I feel in control when i feel out of control mm. you yeah, know that's the point um so we did this four-day course where they came and explained you know simple things like you might have on your to-do list something like organize your mother's birthday and you keep looking at it and you keep looking at it you keep doing nothing keep looking at it but actually they say break that task down and what's the first thing you need to do the first thing you need to do probably is ring your brother and kind of go what should we do for mom's birthday it's always about the next action so break those those things so, so little tips like that so it's a good book called getting things done and they are great and they even do courses which is really useful but for me it's about getting on the front foot i mean so that's why i have that sunday time it's protected time everyone knows that i just i'm not there for that if i lose it my whole week goes wrong and it's about them saying right i've got this to do next week right what are the things i need to action so if i've got the x on friday and the child needs the present the costume or whatever it might be okay great i can kind and make that start happen on a Monday rather than get to the end. The worst thing for me is getting unplanned and then leaning on everyone around you. You know, I'm so sorry, can you pick up my child? And I'm so sorry, I haven't asked you. Whereas asking someone two weeks in advance, not a problem. People are kind of cool about that. But telling everyone at the last minute you need help and you haven't planned just get, makes everyone anxious and makes you feel very guilty. So I think it's about front foot planning and, and making sure that you always kind of keep breaking off the next action. So we've mentioned about help and asking for help, but I think as working women as well, we feel a bit bad about paying for help, paying for services. We feel like we should be managing it all ourselves, but actually we should be paying for it, right? If, if the help is there and we can afford it and we need to pay for it. So um, Sarah is asking, she'd love to know your thoughts on outsourcing. What are the services you buy in? How can I get the most value for my money when I'm spending it on someone else to help me, please? First world problems, I realise, but all tips gratefully received. I mean, I think we are lucky to be able to outsource source things absolutely um you know note my own privilege there because mm-hmm, yeah. you know and at one point I think I was spending everything I earned on help because I had five kids and I was traveling the world and it was really really hard the old-fashioned way of doing it it's you know it's your mother your village your neighbor and together you stick together as an amazing community and I can't help but think there must be a better way to solve this childcare situation you know mm-hmm, if you live in yeah. a street as I do in London there's probably 10 kids who go to the same school who are the same age who much rather be with each other than they would just all be in their own houses on their own and actually if I've got something I need to do we should almost formalize the kind of having the favors I've got five favors so I'm going to ask my neighbor at number 10 to look after the child that day but then she's got five favors in return I mean I'm making this up but I do think well, that like actually if we that. sort of mm-hmm. approach this in a way that works with community because I, I think that was one lovely thing that came out of COVID is the kind of sense of community and helping each other and childcare is one of the biggest issues and being brought up by a village anyway is there's so many advantages you know your neighbors you there's a sort of security I think people behave better however realistically with all the different schedules we have and everything going on sometimes you actually do need to outsource and, and there's no shame in that at all it's just lucky to be able to do it and of course I've had to do that with five and I've I've often had to think about myself as almost think if you were a British Airways pilot and you get on a plane and you're flying to Tokyo and you have no comms with your children and if they rang you and there was a problem you couldn't do anything anyway because you're 40,000 feet in the air on the way to Tokyo you have to have a, a robust system and place and I had to think of my world as as that not only for my ability to work 
but actually for my children to be safe. I wanted to know that, you know, if they bang their knee, that actually the person who's looking after them knew that they liked the Mr. Men plaster and it was on yeah. the second shelf of the kitchen cupboard, whatever it was. So it's about trying to find a system that works for you. I mean, I had to really, like at one point, get a lot of help because um, I needed to know that if I was late home from work or traveling, that I had quite seamless cover rather than scrappy cover because I just think that was almost more stressful for me. And I suppose I could afford to do that, but I spent everything I had on that. I mean, I, I really invested a lot in it. And then as the children got older or they were more in school and so on, you know, you can get by with perhaps an au pair or even a kind of a bit of a patchwork of mom and neighbor. So it just depends on on how demanding your job is and how seamless you need to be and what you can afford. You know, you can be a bit patchworky for sure. And children, I think, often are the better for it because they have to become a bit self-starter. So, you know, it's all down to your own appetite, but there's no shame in it for sure. And you need to find a way that works for you, for your pocket and for your kids. And it's bloody hard actually, mm. may I say. Yeah. And I always say the worst five words that you can ever hear as an employer, but particularly as a mum, may I have a word. And that means <laughs> yeah. that something's going to fall apart, <laughs> right? And, you know, and it's really hard. Yeah. It brings us to Emma, who's voiced of worry I have, which is a nightmare because in common with you, Anya, I don't like cooking. Um, I'm not really keen on any kind of kitchen activity. But frankly, it's dangerous for me at the moment. Emma says, how do I get on top of the weekly shop? I dread it. It's so boring and I have to do all the... Thinking, planning, and listening. And sometimes they don't want what what I've planned for them. I live too far away to go and get the shopping, so I have to do it in advance. But I am so bored with it. <laughs> have you got a snippet of advice for me and Emma there? And because well, I'm afraid I'm, I'm I hate I I don't do it. Is the truth, and I'm ashamed <laughs> to admit that. But I do an awful lot. So if you look at all Outsource the families. Well, if you look at all the family activities, I'm definitely doing my the lion's share, one could argue. Um, and my husband loves food and loves cooking. So we just made a, a deal. That's his thing. How, if I had to do it. So rather than they don't like what I've chosen, well, then ask them to come up with a menu you know yeah. say what do you want next week again delegate like what would you like and then they can't complain I think actually also if they're older then go you're doing Tuesday and you're doing Friday you can organize it and also shop local and then you sort of buy something that you feel like on the day so I think you don't have to do everything in advance to be honest I can't give great advice on that because I delegate to my husband <laughs> Now, Nadine has asked a question that probably many of us will be facing soon in the, in the next few years or imminently. She wants to know how to live with adult children because you do have adult children. <laughs> so do you have older children at home or they will moved out? Um, they come back, I suppose, after university. They come back between jobs. Where, where are you at with oh, that? They never how leave. do you manage it? They, <laughs> they literally never leave. It is, it is hilarious at the moment. Uh, I left this morning and I had daughter son son's girlfriend nephew other son and then child who just arrived for breakfast who apparently stayed the night so that's six right on top Mm of my husband and I and they're all making breakfast at the same time and I was trying to kind of prep for various things this morning and they're bringing back all their stuff from university and I'm like you know what no you can either bin it or you can rent something and have some storage because I don't want your entire art collection from you know just can't put it in the house so it's very hard and many of them can't afford to go off on their own and do it and I think it's the one thing if I can do for them I'm trying to do and I suppose my approach actually and it's been I've had to talk to myself about this is to set some rules of course because as I said earlier I don't want to live like a student so there's going to be certain house rules you can come back of course it's your home but I'm afraid these are the rules and there are house rules and you'd actually tighten them up and put them under the fridge because otherwise I think you know if you've agreed it in advance it's better than nagging the whole time mm-hmm. and then I've decided that actually I'm really lucky they want to come home mm-hmm. and I've decided I've actively decided I'm not going into their bedroom because it's going to make me really upset um, and I'm just going to enjoy it because it will be over really soon and I will really miss it and that was my approach in COVID and I had to talk to myself sometimes even out loud to kind of actually 
really cement this, but just go walk away, make this a nice time because mm-hmm. it's over very quickly. And actually it's the last shout, I think, of having my kids in my life, probably. I want it to be a really nice memory. Mm-hmm. So that's oh, been I my approach. Lovely. But when I'm putting what a knife I do... in their back... <laughs> Tomorrow. Is I, when it goes hideously wrong, I just WhatsApp Trish anything that I was going to say out loud to the children about who are these six people in the, looking in the fridge this morning I've never seen before. I just say, Trish, there are six people in my kitchen, blah, 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 blah. And then she gives me the answer and I feel like I've got it off my chest and I can just go, morning, everyone. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right. You find a way to, to vent. It's, it's, it's hard, but it's actually pretty lovely, isn't it? In fact, I arrived back last it night, super nice. stressed with work and they sort of went to the pub and they brought me back half a side and we sat there and we laughed and it's actually quite good for me as well. So um, so it's pretty special. Embrace it, I think is the answer, with some um, rules. We, we've had a few questions along the same lines about women who've lost their mojo, which I think is such a theme in midlife because you really know who you are and then suddenly you don't know who who you are and you're coping with brain fog and you forget things and that affects your confidence just talk us through your experience physically and mentally of midlife tell me a bit about your hormonal voyages you've, you've talked about them <laughs> as well. so how do I get my mojo back and what have you done and what's been your experience I quite like getting older fun if I haven't had brain fog I, I actually quite like I'm 53 now and I feel I sort of know myself better I, th- I think I'm much more realistic about what makes me happy we have this girl gang called the hormonal voyages who very close group of friends <laughs> it's sort of just you know typical kind of WhatsApp group, and we sort of try and do a trip a year together if we can, or certainly meet up at least twice a year. And it's just a bomb, you know. I mean, I think girlfriends, as you get older, one of the really important factors of aging well, the sort of shared experiences, it's the getting things off your chest, it's the you know actually the deep friendships and and support. You know, something's not going well, so I think that's that's really important. I have found that I like myself better as I get older. I actually think that. Um, I feel this age is quite a nice age, actually. And, and I was thinking that the children were starting to leave home. Clearly, they're not. Um, so that's what, but I think we're sort of trying to kind of carve a bit of space for us if we can, because we finished our last school after 28 years of schools, oh, you just imagine. And we had for three years, five different schools because of their ages and sexes. So that was five parents, teachers, associations, five Christmas carol concerts, know. five, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yes. Exactly. And in fact, that was quite a lovely moment in a way. I mean, it's sad because actually, of course, the, the thing is we have to remember, we will miss all of this. Mm. You know, it is, oh, it's yes. quite an exciting time. But actually, I do feel like we've got to this next stage where we might just have a little bit more sort of space, which would be quite fun. So, I mean, I, you know, I realise I'm, I'm never going to have a bikini body. I'm never probably going to be the smart girl in the room but I, I'm, I'm kind of nice I've got nice hair thank you for that you know you, you start to kind of be quite realistic about the sort of the things that you're going to aim for and not and I think you also learn and it's so important once you've done your personality test but also knowing who makes you happy you know if you surround yourself there's certain people you go to dinner with and you meet up with and you somehow you're really aware of your hands and you're not quite yourself and it's just it's just not chemistry is not quite right and there's other people who just you just have one of those evenings where you're you just have a lovely time and it nourishes you. So I think it's really important to sort of surround yourself with, with people who nourish you and start to be a bit more realistic about what makes you happy. So I quite like this age, I have to say. Hurrah for midlife. <laughs> <laughs> so last but certainly not least, Liz, on behalf of all of us who've been through this, and I know I, I certainly have, how do we maintain or even find enthusiasm when we're feeling so overwhelmed with everyday tasks and just keeping our heads above water? And you always seem so level-headed and you're so kind of positive and pragmatic. And, you know, as you said before, you just want to do it, do it, do it. How do you maintain that? Well, listen, I think, you know, I would be 
uh, telling a total lie if I didn't say that I have times of, you know, where I struggle, everyone does. And that's why I want to be really honest in the book. And it's hard because we're all juggling so much. And so, as I said earlier, you know, getting on the front foot is pivotal to me, kind of feeling like I'm ahead of the game. The moment you start to feel like you're head underwater, it's horrible. I felt a bit like this this week, actually, because I didn't have my Sunday catch up. And I've just Mm -hmm. all week felt I'm sort of catching up and and I'm not catching up. I'm sort of drowning. And I, I always think it's better to try and aim to be the sort of the victor, not the victim. It's quite easy to get into that mode if you're not careful of always. And I found myself a bit this week kind of going, and another thing and another thing. So I think it's quite important planning for me. If I don't have that, it all goes wrong. I now know that. Uh, it took me a long time to work that out, but I just know that's just absolutely non-negotiable. But I think, you know what, there are times when we get to the stage where we're you know, quite burnt out, but where it's just, you've kind of lost lost the flame, lost the, I just can't see the wood from the trees. And I'm a, I'm a great believer in, the, in a break. And sometimes I think, even though that seems impossible in terms of time or financially, and, and it might just be going to stay with your friend, your mum, it might just be just frankly a really good walk around the park and doing something for you, a good swim, just having a mental break and sitting down on a piece of paper and kind of going, right, what am I struggling with? And sometimes writing it down is just getting it out is also a really important process and what matters and just reorganizing, reprioritizing, getting yourself to just set back so you then start to be on the front foot again. I think for me, that's really important. I think it's also important that when you're doing that and you feel guilty taking that time, I mean, the dream would be to go and do yeah. a yoga course with four friends, right? That would be amazing. You feel yeah. physically better. You've had a break. It would be incredible, but not everyone can do that. But if you do that, the reason it's important and you should justify that to yourself and to your family is that um, the piece of advice that my mother-in-law gave me, the only piece of advice she ever gave me was, if you are happy, your children are happy. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. we have a responsibility as parents, as people, as colleagues to actually come in, certainly as a leader here at work, I have to come and go, right, everyone, morning, great, that's what we're going to work on. They don't want to see you and stay at home moping and cross and angry and bitter that doesn't help anyone so you actually need to figure um that time out to get yourself in the right headspace and that is just an investment in your family and in your career so don't be the the victim be the victor get ahead take the time and don't apologize for it it's actually a really important part of what you do that's brilliant advice isn't it i'm going to go and have a 72 hour nap now I really believe in a map. The really victor, the victor. And your yes. family will love you and everything will be really happy tonight at the dinner table. So there you go. <laughs> and we do, in fact, have a copy of Anya's book, If in Doubt, Wash Your Hair, to give away. And that competition is going to be posted on our private Facebook group. Anya, thank you so much for that. I think it's been really, really helpful. It's, transition is such an odd thing to manage. What you've given us is really good practical advice. I would advise everybody to listen again and take notes. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to see you. Now, none of us can have failed to notice that climate change and global warming have had some devastating effects on the world this summer with the flooding in Germany, those horrendous fires in Greece, Turkey and Italy, among other things. So we thought we should turn the conversation to what we should be doing to make a difference in this week's How to Win at Midlife. So let's not get doomy gloomy about this, but we're all very conscious and worried about the planet and what the next generation will inherit. Now, the heavy lifting, obviously, on carbon reduction needs to be done by governments across the world. But there are lots of small changes we can make in our everyday lives. 
So yes, in one study, half of 18 to 34 year olds said they had anxiety about climate change every day. And many are worried they won't be able to have children of their own because of climate change. So psychologists are now starting to specialise in eco-anxiety and the fear people are experiencing over our impact on the planet. And of course, the best solution really is to do something about it. We're not going to solve it, but we can do something about it, however small. Yes, we can. We all do have agency in this. And there are some key things to remind ourselves about that we could ideally be doing and then some smaller everyday things we're both doing um, which we thought you might find helpful too. So do you want to kick off on the big things? Yeah, I'm going to do the big things, things because Trish. we're just going to list these because we probably, we've all heard these before, but it's just a good reminder. Number one, eat less or no meat and dairy if possible. Drive less, even just doing one car journey less a week and you hop on a bike instead. Buy and consume less because then we'll throw away less. So we do live in a throwaway society. So ask yourself, are you consuming more than you need? And is it making you happy? Is buying this thing making you happy if not stop or cut back uh, make your home energy efficient so there's lots of advice and tips on websites like moneysupermarket.com for that fly less often but that's kind of rather than guilting ourselves out too much about it it's worth remembering that 15 percent of the adults in great britain account for 70 percent of the flights taken so that is really the kind of business travelers yeah. who are doing a lot of toing and throwing with sort of more than three or four flights in a year so if you can cut back that's great and then really importantly let your mp know make your voice heard uh, let local councillors your mayor know that you think action on climate change is important those are the kind of key things that yeah. we can get those but there's little individual things that we've been doing ourselves haven't we Lorraine so do yes. you want to share yours well I, I found this little quote from Anne Frank of all people which oh. I think sort of sums it up how wonderful it is that nobody need to wait a single moment before starting to improve the world which is actually what we're talking about here yeah. it can feel overwhelming but these tiny things are about i call it using the tools you have so if you're if you're interested in something anyway then you're going to make a change because you're already invested in it so for me i'm interested in fashion it's the second biggest polluter of the world after mm-hmm. the oil industry so i focus on landfill and i'm driven by my teens on this and i've made a promise not to buy anything new clothes wise this year so i only buy vintage pre-loved second hand or charity and i've managed mm-hmm. to do that for six months and still I think look quite still looking rather fabulous. Yes, you <laughs> yes. are. <laughs> um, so I do a lot of it from charity shops, um, but there are some brilliant, brilliant online shops on Instagram uh, which are pre-loved and vintage. If you're going to make one change, look at what you buy in terms of denim. It's absolutely worth the process mm. uh, for making new denim. So get secondhand or buy sustainable denim. And the other thing is to look at if you still want to buy new, look at sustainable fashion in the shops so john lewis have that wonderful mother of pearl range mm-hmm. which is you know the process is tracked all the way through there is a woman called aja aja barber who is the author of eco age and consumed she's a tv presenter as well she's really brilliant on fashion online so have follow her on instagram there's a journalist called fleur britain who writes almost solely about how to live your best fashion life in the most sustainable way and she introduced me to Sharewear, which is a clothing charity in the north where you donate pretty good stuff for families um, because there's been a 33% increase in clothing poverty since the pandemic. So those are really helpful on fashion and I I found somebody online who lives a zero waste lifestyle which is really interesting so it's really fascinating. She's called B Johnson. She's a pioneer of zero waste living. She's married, she's got two kids and she lives in a really beautiful home and she's done a TED talk so have a look at that but there's so many useful tips and ideas and great pics on her Instagram 
that show you how she does it because it's like when you start tuning in and thinking about it and thinking about your own waste and what you're doing it's complicated it's not complicated and it is about recycling properly it is about buying less plastic packaging it's by all of these things and it's about what goes into landfill again to your point Lorraine about about fashion and, and the processes so I found that one really useful and worth looking into and what else have you got I, against characteristically, as you would assume for me, have mm-hmm. looked at money as well. So oh, okay. um, one of our only male guests on the show, Richard Curtis, mm. has set up Make My Money Matter, which is about making your pension green. Mm-hmm. So this is how you work out where the pension company that you've invested your money in is investing its money. And they are asking pension funds to commit to a zero carbon emissions over the next 10 years. So it's a pretty good campaign. You can just join it and sign up and lobby your MP, mm-hmm. or you can find out if your pension is green. So if you can invest that money for a substantial amount of time, invest it somewhere good. What else have you got for me, Trish? Well, I'm thinking more back in the home, packaging, back to packaging, because I'm on this sort of zero waste <laughs> sort of thinking now after looking at B. Johnson. And a lot of beauty packaging, such as the pumps and the complex bottles and the jars know, and the multi-layers. It is because you've got to, you know, a lot of it can be recyclable, but you've got to break it all down and put it in the right boxes in the right kind of places of recycling so there's a skincare brand I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong I think it's woe w-o and the website is wearewoe.com and they do these little measured mono doses of product so you use just the right amount all in this uber recycle packaging it's really small it's not big boxes it's not cellophane it's very very minimal the core range only consists of two types of products which is the daily base and it's a three-in-one so it's a clean hydrate and condition the skin and a power tonic so you could if you wanted to really reduce skincare if that's what you wanted to do you know then if you try something and you don't like it you haven't wasted a whole bottle of the stuff so along those lines for me I call it the packaging and poisons Mm, conundrums what am I Mm. yes exactly what am I buying that's covered in stuff and what is poisoning the earth that we live on so I hate packaging as Mm. you know but my friend Michelle Agundahin who is a presenter on Grand Design's House of the Year and Interior Design Master is also the author of the book Happy Inside about your home has a brilliant Instagram account about the green cleaning products you can use that do not poison the environment. I mean, the mm-hmm. research on it is extraordinary. And she has introduced me to dry pack. So at mm-hmm. dry pack, you can buy soda crystals um, for your washing, ATP and liquid soap. And mm-hmm. she's also introduced me to how you use white vinegar as a very, very efficient softener and other uses in the kitchen. So I would follow Michelle on uh, Instagram, Agundahin. We'll mm-hmm. put it up on the Facebook. And she also recommended Nancy Burtwistle's book, Clean and Green, How to Lead a Better Eco-Life. And you've mm. got some books as well, haven't you, Trish? Well, I have got a book called How to Save the World for Free by Natalie Lee which rhymes (laughs) so I like the way chapters are structured it's called save the world when you eat when you travel when you use the bathrooms and when you have sex no less and then I'm just going to do one little kitchen thing because I think that you've you've covered that quite well but that brand small s-m-o-l which I just recently discovered they do these amazing dishwashing laundry tablets that come in the most minimal packaging you get like a box of 24 and it fits through your letterbox I mean can you believe it and it's all obviously you know environmentally 
kind, etc. And you know how Neil is obviously very, very particular about his dishwasher and the loading of it, but also what's used, what kind of tablets. And he was like, oh, they're not going to work properly because they're not full of, you know, whatever chemicals. He loves them. He says they're top notch. Small. So small, S-M-O-L, have a look at those. Oh, thank you very much for that. So there are a lot of great ideas out there. Please, can you share yours with us? And we will post all these recommendations on the Facebook page. We always put a list on the Facebook with each weekly episode that goes up on Sunday morning. Um, So if you search it with the hashtag episode recommendations, you'll get that list. But we really would love to hear from you because it's helpful doing these tiny things every day, isn't it? Mm. Now we've come to the part of the show which gets a lot of love on our Facebook group. It's Nostalgia Noodles. So Lorraine, it's time to step back in time. I'm not stepping back, I'm rolling back. (laughs) Rolling back in time. (laughs) To the birthday parties of my early to mid-teenage. Do you remember, Trish, did you go to, indeed, a roller disco birthday party? Never in a million years. I'd break something. Couldn't do that. (laughs) But you were a bit of a roller skater, so I'm assuming you did. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did. So I just remember them because I thought, hold on a minute, how come they they didn't just go on for ages? When did roller disco start? And and I was absolutely right when I googled it. Roller disco Mm. started in 1984 in the UK. So they are literally an 80s thing, Mm. and they came from America, obviously. And I used to go to one in Plymouth, near, not near, actually a long way from where I lived in Cornwall. And there would be a fog machine. <laughs> and as you know, I can roll escape backwards. But I was just remembering the downside oh. of a roller disco party. Because mm. you know when you're in your mid-teens and you go to a party and you think, well, we might meet some boys. That might mm. be quite nice. I might get a new boyfriend. Then I realised there were never any boys at roller disco yeah, parties because boys never yes. roller skated, did they? No, never, never. <laughs> it, was not the, it was the death of the potential snog at a disco at a party if it was a roller disco party so we would have to think oh I don't know how exciting is it going to be not that we just went out to snog boys no did you um did you roller in a rah-rah were you wearing a rah-rah skirt I I love roller skating so not roller blades you see these were actual Actual you know four wheel skates skates. oh I love it well maybe you can have one for your next birthday and I'll sit on the sidelines and wave you on when you're rolling through the fog. No, I want you. On, I want you out there, out on the roller dance out there floor, doing your best leg warmer roller <laughs> discoing. Where have you been back in time? Oh well, I've been back to. Do you remember the test card girl on the yes. TV? Oh my goodness, wasn't it the most depressing thing when you switched on your massive box of a telly, your big rediffusion, huge box, with a bit, <laughs> turn the knob, and then the picture flickered up, and it was that blooming test card girl and her spooky clown, and she was that girl sitting there in um, in a sort of red top and red headband doing noughts and crosses. <laughs> on the blackboard so with a sort of weird clown situation and it was something to do I had to I had to look it up because of course at the time we weren't interested to know what it was just like oh god you know whatever's not on top cat's not on so apparently it was designed <laughs> <laughs> by you were too BBC... busy washing Barbara's hair in your love is oh bouncy yeah You're exactly still reeling from that story yeah, that was quite a good one so yes yeah, so it was this BBC engineer called George Hersey who designed it and it was basically this picture surrounded by various grayscales and colours test signals used to, to assess the quality of the transmitted picture and then it was popped up when there was no programming so I think we all went to bed at 11 o'clock in those days and there was no no tv you couldn't be bothered adults be bothered. <laughs> anyway his daughter eight-year-old Carol was the girl in the red headband Carol I googled 
she became a costume designer on the likes of films like Dangerous Liaisons and The Sheltering City. She's 62 now, Carol. Love that. We should get her on, Trish. We should get her on. Get her on. Or, yeah, maybe she's listening. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Postcards from Midlife. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends and all the midlife women you know. And remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too. And please also, if you would, download your episodes so they count on our listener numbers because that's really helpful for us. And don't forget to join us on our private Facebook group or on Instagram. Or you can email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com or look on our website at postcardsfrommidlife.com. Goodbye. Goodbye.